This is the All Markets Summit podcast from Yahoo Finance. Please welcome Sarah O'Carroll with Paul Darty and Robert Falzon. Hi, I'm joined here by Rob Falzon from Prudential Financial and Paul Doherty from Accenture. We're here to talk about the future of work, which is not actually in the future anymore. It's right here, right now. Rob, if I can kick off with you. Prudential did a recent survey that showed that almost half of Americans don't feel that they are, have the skill set to c- compete in about 10 years' time. Yeah. How concerned are you about the skills gap and how it impacts Prudential's business? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because this is actually the seventh in our series on the American workers. And, and I, I think uh, we've been doing it over the last couple of years. And I think that was the most interesting thing to actually come out of this survey is mm. that, you know, we have this idea that... Uh, um, you know, that the workers are unaware of the fact that they've got these challenges that are in front of them. And, and what we found in the survey is, in fact, that they don't necessarily feel threatened by technology. Most of them are pretty comfortable that their jobs are going to be around. Their concern is they may not have the skills to do the job, yeah. right? And so it was like a third of them, I think, you know, felt now they didn't have the skills. And then half of them, you know, five years or 10 years from now, would, you know, are, are thinking they, don't, they won't have the skills to compete. And so we're looking at that. And, and the challenge you have as, as a company, as an employer, is that you know, that's both the employee base and that's the, the hiring base as well. That skills gap exists in the marketplace. And so you're not going to solve it simply by saying, well, that's fine. If our employees have that insecurity, we'll just go hire a bunch of people that have those skills. In fact, you know, the people that are out in the marketplace that are available to bring into the company are going to have the same issues with regard to getting the skills that are going to be required in order to be competitive going forward. And so I think for us as a company, it means that we have to invest in capabilities that actually help people to get the skills they're going to need in order to have the jobs that we're going to have in the future in order to be able to compete and make a difference for our customers. Absolutely. And Paul, what are you seeing as some of the key technology trends that are impacting how Americans are working? Well, the thing that everybody seems uh, fixated on these days is artificial intelligence and the impact that artificial intelligence combined with other technologies is having on the workforce. And the, uh, I agree with what uh, Rob just said, which is uh, what's happening really is that artificial intelligence isn't replacing all the jobs or eliminating all the jobs, which is sometimes in the, uh, in the, in the perception that people have. What it's doing is, is it's actually creating the opportunity for us to rethink the way, what jobs are yeah. and to pair people with AI, pair people with, with technology to do their jobs more effectively and at the end of the day create more human jobs because we're automating the things that can be automated that machines do better and enabling people to use more of their human skills. And so we, we wrote this book, Human Plus Machine, talking about the new skills and the six categories of new jobs that we believe come about as you do this, which is you know, based fundamentally though on this idea that the skills you know, the skills are changing going forward that we need from people. Yeah, because both Accenture and Prudential have invested heavily in reskilling um, employee, your employees. How has, tell me about the, um, the thinking behind that investment and some of the learnings. Yeah, so, so first, you know, uh, very much to Paul's point, you know, we are big believers in that this is not human versus machine, but human plus machine, that there's a symbiosis here that, that creates a better outcome. And so if you think about that, you're saying, okay, well, how do I get the most out of the investment that I'm making in talent? And how do I get the most out of the investment that I'm making in technology? I've got to figure out how I marry these two things together. It's interesting, the, you know, the full digitization. I know you wrote an article about sort of the post-digital world, but I still think we're in the digitization oh, yeah. phenomena. Yeah. But you know, the, the impediment to doing that isn't, isn't technology, right? We've got all the processing power we need, and, and the impediment isn't, isn't data either, because we've got loads of storage capacity and lots and lots of data. The impediment to it is 
talent that can actually marry the technology to the data and come out with outcomes. And so as we're thinking about that, we're, we're, we're doing is um, investing in capabilities which allow individuals to do skill assessments um, that will then um, map to the jobs that we have open uh, and then identify for them the gaps that they have yep. so that they can undertake to sort of, um, and we'll provide the training to undertake the, the training that will get them to the place where they then have the skills that allow them to take advantage of the technology that we have. Yes, about reskilling, because Paul, in Accenture, you've retrained almost 300,000 employees. Tell me about that. Yeah, so we have 500, about 500,000 employees and we hire 130,000 new employees every year. So this issue of talent and skills is, is a big one for us that we deal with at scale. And you know, it, it, we do this in the context of technology changing rapidly. So our, our business, you know, over half our business is on technologies that didn't exist five years ago. Yeah. So we're constantly cycling people through new technology skills. So we, we invest about a billion dollars a year in training. Wow. A lot of that investment is in platforms for training. We believe this is about continual learning and investing in people so that you, you're able to continually move them along as technology changes. It's creating a culture of learning where people want to learn, a performance culture where people are rewarded for what they learn and the new skills they develop, yep. and continuing, you know, continuing that investment. One data point that I think is, is a, a bit of an uh, alarming one that's hopefully a call to action is on this skilling point, we did a, a survey as part of the book, and it, uh, we said, how many executives believe that your workers won't be ready for AI? And it was like 50, 75%. You know, yeah. Most of the, the, the executives felt concerned about the skills. And then we asked, how many of you are investing in training? 3%. I mean, a striking gap. So uh, companies like Prudential and Accenture and, and others are investing in training, but I think we need, we need really to, to uh, have, have the call to action and, and see it as a competitive advantage, not just a good thing to do for the people. So the jobs are changing faster than the job market's changing. You won't be able to hire people with these new skills, and the jobs are very specific to what you do. So the best competitive move you can make as well is investing your people in their skills. Yeah, you know, we, we think about that, and I call it this two-dimensional skill gap. So we've got the statistics out there. It's like seven million un, you know, posted and unfilled jobs that are out there. And the reason they're posted and unfilled is because you know, the skills aren't there. You know, what the hiring managers will tell you is it's not necessarily just quantum. It's individuals who have the right skill set. So it's yeah. a matter of, you're not, you're not gonna solve this simply by trying to hire unless you're willing to make an investment in actually getting people the skills that they need, that you're gonna need. Yeah, because um, we're at a 50 year in, in here in um, Australia, no, in the US, um, it's a 50 year low unemployment. Is that a, ma a major driver for companies needing to focus on this skill set? You know, yeah, it, it's a driver. It's, that's one dimension of the two-dimensional skill set. Yeah. So one dimension of it is we have a quantum. You know, in our company, if, you look at, if we look at our attrition every year just from normal turnover and, and uh, people retiring, you know, that's, that's a, we don't have as many employees as you have. We have about 50,000, what would you say, 300,000? 500,000. 500,000, so we're, you know, 10 size, but we still have 50,000 employees. That's a lot of rollover on yeah. an annual basis. Sure. And so um, you've, you're, you're, you're faced with the challenge of, well, I've got to replace that headcount in a very tight labor market. And incidentally, the people that are available may not have the skills that I need. And so you have to really think about, okay, one, how do I get people to stay longer? Because I yeah. may need that. Two, how do I get those people that are staying the skills that they're gonna need to do the, to do the, the, uh, the jobs that I have available and, and need in order for me to be successful competing in the marketplace. Sure. So it's a, it's a quality and, qu and quantum issue. The theme of today is generational opportunities. How, what, how are you going about creating a more dynamic workforce to cater to all these like four generations in the one workplace? 
Paul. Yeah, the, uh, I think you need to really rethink uh, a lot of things about the, the culture and the workforce and how you approach it. And uh, you know, things like purpose become more important. Why do people work for your company? Are, do, you know, people are investing a lot of, you know, most of their waking hours in, in what they do at work. So uh, can they achieve their personal ambition at your company is increasingly important as you, as you look at uh, the generations and you look at the composition of our workforce. Uh, there's also, um, uh, there's also uh, issues around how do you motivate people in the right way. One big move we took three years ago, and I think we were one of the first to do it, is we looked at our whole performance management system and said, you know, it doesn't work. Banding, rating, performance categories, we just said that doesn't work for the, the, the way we want to run our workforce. You spend most of your time in performance reviews arguing about who should be at the bottom rather than spending time focusing on, on perform the people's real performance. Yeah. So we threw away uh, annual banding, the rating, the whole process, and went to a, a strengths-based coaching process. No ratings, no categories, and pushed down the accountability, the salary administration, bonus administration to the immediate supervisory layer so that people were focused on the strengths of their people, how to coach their people to do better and administer the rewards in a much more effective way. And that creates a culture where people are more accountable for their teams, accountable for their own uh, performance and not really competing for these bands in a salary scale. Sure. During the um, All Market Summit in, um, in Sydney a couple of weeks ago, one of the key themes that came out of the Future of Work panel was a frustration amongst graduates that they, their qualifications don't match up with the business needs. Do you, do you see a shift away from um, credentials to a more skills-based resume? You want to start on that, Paul? Go ahead. Okay. So. Um, uh, the answer to that would be yes, but, okay? So first of all, you gotta be really careful about this. I would not, you know, don't conflate the needs of today with the needs of, uh, that are associated with a sustainable career. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are certain programming tools that we're using today, and that's what's hot, and that's what you'll need to know to be employed today. But, and, and, you know, unless you have, I was at a meeting yesterday with a group, and they do some training around this stuff, and the, and the president of that company used the word, and when we asked, what kind of people do you look for? He said, we look for people with tenacity. And he said, because that's what's required in order to, to su survive, to, su to prosper on a go-forward basis. It's about a, a continuous, a need to continuously reinvent and relearn. And yep. so, yes, you know, um, degrees are important, but degrees are important in the context of what's here and now. What's more important that you, you have this attitude of, you know what, I have to continuously reinvent myself because this, the cycle of learning is compressed from decades into a handful of years that you need, to, you need to go about this reinvention. You know, sure. just, just on that, the, the, the concept of a college degree, right? We're now working into our 50s and 60s, and maybe now, as a result of sort of the retirement challenge that this country is facing, working into our 70s. Yeah. How realistic is it expected that, that you're gonna base someone's capabilities on a degree that they got when they were 21 or something sure. like that, right? You got 40, 50 yeah. years, and over that period of time, you better not be relying on that college degree. There's a whole other you know, cast of things that come into play. And Paul, is that what you're seeing in Accenture? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the, and I, I think it's, um, you need to view this as lifelong learning as well. And that's why, you know, the think about that way in companies is important. And I think there's more we need to do to think about how we do this in an inclusive way to make sure that those that currently aren't included and aren't able to be employed, don't have the relevant skills, get the right skills. Those that lose their jobs in their, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever it may be, middle of their career, how do they get, how do they get reskilled? And uh, that's why, that's where we put a lot of our focus. And I think that requires business and government and educators, to, communities to partner more 
uh, you know, one of the you know, we're doing a lot of this around the world and around the U.S. And one of the interesting things is something in St. Louis called My Path, My Future, which is looking at people who have lost their jobs through automation in different industries, and looking at what jobs will be in demand in that area, which turns out to be manufacturing, cybersecurity, and healthcare professions. Yep. Okay, how can we take the people? What skills are needed in those, and how do we take people out of work and get them ready for those skills through apprenticeship, through uh, immersive training, etc. And I think that type of public private cooperation in a real dedicated way to address these gaps is gonna be important to make sure we don't have increasing inequality going forward uh, within the workforce. Yeah, because that was what I was wanting to ask, is like how can companies really structure their automation so that um, to, as, a, as a way to aid workers rather than replace workers? Yeah, so you know, I can give you lots of different examples of that. The, um, uh, I'll give you one on a human resource side, just so sort of that may have brought up occasion. I'll talk about one that's more insurance specific, so I don't know whether the whole crowd will turn out when I do, uh, will turn off when I do that. But you know, just from a recruiting standpoint, using artificial intelligence to use um, to do the screening of you know use, uh, the screening of individuals instead of that first interview. Yeah. What we find, frankly, is we get better quality candidates with more diversity when we take the human out of that first equation. Now, what does that do? That leaves our people up to then spend more time on the candidates that come through that first screen instead of having to send legions of people to do the on-campus recruiting with you know, lots of people of which we're gonna only ultimately be interested in a smaller subset of that. So it's a way in which you can use technology to frankly improve the experience for um, the individuals that are interviewing for the position and, and improve the experience of, of our HR and hiring areas that are um, stretched in terms of their ability to sort of to, to you know spend time on find, uh, cultivating the right the right pipeline of talent. Yeah, do you mention Paul um, inequality, um, rising inequality, low wages? Do you think AI is going to contribute to that, or um, do you think it's going to be a solution? I, well, I think it's I think it's both. I think we have to make sure it. It's, we have to invest in people to make sure they have the right skills. And if we invest in people to make sure they have the right skills, um, I'm confident and convinced we'll have enough jobs that, that, that meet the requirements, that provide people with the, the careers they're looking for. But the risk right now is there's people, you know, there's people who are in categories that won't have the right skills for those jobs. Yeah. So that's really where the, where the focus needs to, be, you know, needs to be applied. Yeah. Um, what do you think would be the top skills for employees now to focus on um, in the coming decade in the context of this AI revolution? Well, I'd go back to what that CEO told me, which was tenacity. I define that a little different. I think about like adaptability, resilience, continuous learning, um, collaboration, a bunch of other skills that would go with that. So it's, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not Java, right? It's, you know, knowing whatever language you need to know in, 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 uh, in today's environment, that's helpful. But it's actually, you know, the skills that are going to help you to continue to evolve throughout your career. Um, you know, our view of this is what individuals should be focused on is creating sustainable careers mm -hmm. through those sustainable careers that allows them to create wealth in a way that they can then secure financial wellness. That's important to us as a company, and that's how we see the linkage. Yeah, and Paul at Accenture? Yeah, similarly, the, 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 the way I think you need to think about it is you need to, to people need to focus on the, the human skills. We've done a, a similar skill breakdown. It's skills like complex problem solving, creativity, social emotional yeah. response, uh, communication, things like that are the skills that are in demand. And then you need to look at what people are doing and how can you pair them with technology in the right way. So for example, uh, we're working with a, a company in the oil business. So how do you create uh, visualization, digitally enabled oil field services technicians? 
in the uh, financial services industry? How do you create pattern, uh, machine learning based pattern recognition aware compliance officers? Things like that. And I think this idea of fusion skills, of looking at how we prepare people and, and enhance their human skills, focus more on the human skills, and then pair them with technology yeah. for other parts of their job is where we need to focus. Brilliant. That's all we have time for. Rob Fazan and Paul Doherty, thank you very much for joining us here at the Yahoo Finance on yeah, Market Service. Thank you. Thank you.